0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast.
1: To this day, I haven't decided if I want to just let that music roll out or if I want to start talking over it. There's a complicating factor, people, in that when I edit this audio down for the recorded side of the pod, the non-YouTube listeners, there's a bumper music that's the same song That edits onto the front end. And so if that's playing in the background on the YouTube audio, the same song plays twice at different points. Whatever. Nobody cares. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everyone. It is, I'm pretty sure, Wednesday. Six days from the start of the NBA season. I'm your host here on Fantasy NBA Today, Dan Bespris. And I am joined by the founder of Sports Ethos, the big dog, Aaron Bruski. Brew, good it's day. It's daytime. Good day to you.
0: I'm Hello. Hi, everybody. Sorry in advance for my voice. I've been barking at people. <laughs> woof, woof. Barking yeah. Did you, all uh, day, every day.
1: Have you watched... Um, I know people kill us for this, but I don't care. We're talking about it's a TV show at the beginning of the pod. We got plenty of fantasy basketball to get to. If you are frustrated Honestly, by like, miscellany, just
0: fast forward a little. Like I get grown ups. I, I, yeah. It's like, I get it. Like, yeah. Can we be a little grown up about it? Just like, fast forward. You, you could either wait five minutes or you can fast forward. Yeah. Just fast forward. I'm not offended. I mean, if you're watching it live, aren't you? Yeah. I, I'm a good, good with it. Yeah. Doesn't bother me. I mean, podcast
1: advertisers, they know you're doing it. Yeah. That's why they want mid roll, man. Nobody wants you to advertise for them right yeah. out of the shoot. That does—they don't want that. They want it right in the middle, when you're in the meat of it. By the way, Aaron is on Twitter at Aaron Brewski. The website, SportsEthos.com, EthosFantasyBK on social. Go check that out immediately. And as I just said, nobody wants to do a promo at the beginning because nobody's listening. I'm going to do one anyway. Go check out the Fantasy Pass over at Sports Ethos. It's got the B-150. It's got projections. It's got a draft tracker tool. It's got panda sleepers in it now. That bad boy is outfitted. Got to loosen the belt buckle. There's so much in that tummy. And it's 6 bucks a month. Uh, all sport also includes football and baseball. That's yeah, $8 say, a all sport? That's right. And that's going that's up. That's
0: my favorite one right now.
1: Well, you might as well. You might as well win yeah, a basketball you, and football you, and baseball.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think they're fun, too. Baseball's fun. Baseball. If you got somebody telling you what to do, that's the OG don't fantasy game. I think I could game. do it, like Joe or Rico. That's the original flavor. And, and then man. football. You all play football? Somebody's dragging you into a football draft. I, I still get dragged into football drafts.
1: I know. I dodged it this year. So yeah, get the
0: all sport. I mean, that's a stupidly low price.
1: That's true. Some of Lock you watching this in. live, it's eight. A lot of people watching this after the fact, it may have already gone up to nine. Whatever. Get it fast. Don't wait to watch and listen to our shows. That's the lesson here. The thing I was going to ask you, Brew. By the way. Have you watched Shrinking on Apple TV?
0: No, I haven't watched anything. I'm stuck in the middle of uh, uh, Better Call Saul. Oh, I've, I've been there for a while. I'm actually don't say gonna, anything. No, no, no I'm not. It.
1: I'm not gonna because I am also. So that show had I think three or four seasons before Writers Strike, like a few years back, not the one that just ended. And there was a gap between. Four and five, maybe? I might be getting that wrong. Someone, a writer out there is going to yell at me, and, and I deserve it. Uh, but I'm just finally cycling back through that one, too. You and I are both watching Better Call Saul way the hell after the fact. This is lovely.
0: Well, yeah. So um, so at my house, we got a, a tenant unit. And uh, this is a tenant. You know, got a couple beers in her the other day and started lipping off about oh, Better Call no. Saul. I was like, wait, lady. Wait. <laughs> no, Anything I you say, I will completely immediately know and i think i know it and i don't even that, want to say it because you're in the middle of it right now that, so who knows somebody up there could be in the middle of it anything i say will tip you off yeah right? i she don't tip me off and see i'm just gonna shut up i don't want to say anything
1: no no nothing at all just done. we'll done just talking about it
0: it's all good man that's all U- we'll U- leave it at that la- ladies man 420 who wants to be mad at us <laughs> you know i'm just I done hope,
1: i hope that that's tim meadows Let's talk by the way. Fantasy basketball. All right, so let's navigate a draft. Ladies
0: man 420? Yeah,
1: I thought you were talking about the ladies man. Uh, I'm not going to get sidetracked by a ladies man discussion because you know that's my thing with Bogman. Me and Bogs, man. We go back and forth on ladies man. I'll believe it
0: when I see it that you can stop talking about the ladies I can't. I love that. So-called fish sandwiches.
1: So you don't want a fish sandwich? (laughs) Uh God damn it. We did it anyway. All right. Okay. So here's what we're getting into on today's show. Uh, How to navigate a draft. This is a big, big picture item that I think a lot of folks are actually struggling with. It's something that experts, novices, each have different areas where they scuffle on draft days. And so in my mind, I was trying to go through, okay, what are things that I struggled with when I was first starting out? What are things that I'm struggling with right now? Brew, I'm sure there are one or two things that even you're like trying to, knock on the side of your head like don't do that thing that always gets in there i'll tell everybody the thing that i struggle with right now is specifically when i'm drafting anywhere near the end of a round i know i'm getting like right into the weeds quickly here but I i want people to know you're not alone with things if i'm near a turn front or back end turn on on a snake draft i struggle with this idea of well, if I take this guy here, it doesn't have the amount of value that I'm used to getting if I take him in the middle of a round. But sometimes you just have to be comfortable slicing off six slots of perceived value if it's a player you believe is out in front of where you have them. And I I still struggle with that. I get to my turn, or I get to my pair of selections in these drafts, and I'm like, I don't want to take that guy because I prefer to take him at 40 four or something like that. And it's my pick at 36, 37 and on principle, I'm not going to do it, but that's dumb, right? Tell me I'm dumb. You have carte blanche.
0: When you say based on principle, it was immediately dumb. Mm-hmm. But if you do it based on principle, that's dumb. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I'm being, look, dumb. I mean, drafting them the, the ends. It's very difficult. I don't like it. I think it's, that's why auction drafts are great. Um, For that specific issue, I I really, I think the only silver lining there is you do get a degree of control over how you go about that second pick. Cause you get to really, if you're the second to last pick the end, it just kind of really sucks. But if you've got one (laughs) or two GMs on the outside of you heading into that turn, you can look at their uh, lineups and determine, you know, have they gone just gonzo on centers and then you're looking at a center. And you're like, okay, well, I shouldn't take that center first. I'll take that center second because they don't need a center. Pretty easy stuff right there. Um, you do got to take your shots. And and I think in that spot, more than anything, you really do got to game out your draft. Like you got to understand what the, where the pockets of value are. And, and that's something I'm probably 30 drafts deep now. Um, <clears throat> you know, of drafts I actually care about. And... By the way, the draft tracker is amazing.
1: I've done one. draft, no way by the i have been able. To. You've done thirty, and I've done yeah, one. Oh. <laughs> I know. Wow. I know. It was yesterday. It was what a. What you doing over there? It was a keeper draft. I draft as close as I can to the start of the season. I know you have really Fair. important ones around that's, that, that, that time as well. Sure. So, it, you know, stuff comes up. Guys get hurt. I think who Jared Allen is going to miss the beginning of the season, right? Isn't that a thing? Like these are why you draft mm, late. Yeah, he might be back. I think they're yeah, expecting yeah. It. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's not uh, even the main point there. Uh, what about you? Let me start with you on this one, and then we'll go to sort of the laundry list. Is there something that you, even after multiple decades of this, of being an analyst, of like staring at this stuff all day, all night, every day, and doing, you're probably almost into the thousands of drafts, if you not might actually be in the thousands of fantasy drafts. What do you still struggle with?
0: Steals steals constantly
1: that's weird why i mean
0: because yeah no i mean i think the market doesn't understand the value of steals they're everywhere i I mean so basically i end up playing against myself so much because at some point in time steals will be there and so when you're looking in terms of pure value sometimes you're going to end up taking somebody a little bit later um, or, or, or taking a guy that you have ranked lower, you know, ex, you have a lower expectation for, however you want to put it, and you're taking them because you know you're going to get those steals later. And it took me forever to really stop doing that. I still do it, and it, and I, I find myself drafting these kind of weird inverse, you know, inverse teams where they're completely not who I think is the best at that draft slot, and. It's fine because I know that I'm going to get those steals. So if we're measuring in terms of pure value, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of a loss on that stuff. But if you do it the other way and and you're going to lap the field in steals or, you know, win by some stupid amount, you're also not doing it right that way. So that's, that's my personal thing. And I think that's more a function of the market, you know, and, and, and of anything than anything else. If these guys were correctly ranked, then I wouldn't have that problem. Um, So that's a big one. And then league settings, that's absolutely everything. Positionality, one center versus two centers. That's I think the first thing you got to look at in a draft is, is it one center or two centers? I see a lot of people banging on on two center leagues. I actually like it. I think it it creates a scarcity and it creates a need to make a choice early on in a draft. Am I going to take care of this? Or am I going to look at this list of centers that I have that I know I can get late, and and rely on that?
1: Yeah, and if you, and that's if been you, something
0: I've been kind of going back on.
1: Yeah, I was going to say because like yeah, yeah, you, you roll the be, dice. You can hang a little bit. yourself
0: out to dry that way.
1: If you don't get them, you're you're screwed. There isn't there isn't a way to come back yeah. from that. If you get to the end, you're like, oh crap, I didn't get the two I needed.
0: That's well, and, I, and centers are interesting. No, yeah, go ahead because it's like on one hand, if you can nail down centers, it helps your team so much in, in so many different ways. Um, so they, and especially in a two center format, and, and I think it's even true in a one center format because it just depends on settings, of course, but like big man stats are good is the summary of, of the point. High field goal percentage, good blocks, good boards. And then if you're not killing yourself on free throws, this solves so many problems for your team. So even in a one center format, if you can get power forwards to do that, you know, or whatever the case may be, I've always found that that that's a um, it's a good thing for your team. Now, is that going to help you when say that that kind of players not available or shouldn't be taken, I should say, in like, until like the 50 60 70 range? And, and you're sitting there and you're like, well, you know, I got this player. He's like a top 30 guy. You know, should I go for a center, nail this thing down, get the right stat set that I would like and leave this 30 on the table here, this, this this 30 ranked player on the table. And that's the in and out of the draft that I think it's fascinating, whether it's a snake draft or it's an auction draft, you just constantly are being put on some very strategic decisions in real time. Um, uh, with a fast clock, interesting things happen. Um, again, the draft tracker, like without a t- tool like that, I don't know how you compete. Um, and, in th- this case with the draft tracker, I have that we have, I should say, you can go so fast with it. Like, and that's so important. if you've got a clock, that's a 60 second clock. Um, I mean, some people get crazy and take that thing down even lower. To keep up with what's going on, you got to have a fast tool. You don't, you, you can't have something that's going to be, you know, taken five years to reload. You, you can't have to be like scrolling up and down the page, doing all this crazy stuff, um, you know, data all over the place. You, you need something that's quick and succinct, and then you can start to zig when when others zag. I mean, a great example, I think, was in a draft, I, I'm, I'm drafting with what I would call an intermediate league. And a guy that I haven't taken anywhere, and I think he's a good player. Jakob Purtle. You know, I'm on the turn, you know, so cool. That sucks, but whatever. And I'm sitting there looking at my team, and I'm like, I got so much free throw advantage right now, and I need rebounds so bad, and everything else is great. You know, it's gravy. Man, I'm going to take Jakob Purtle. For the first time this season because i know i got five guys behind him that i can take in the, in the coming rounds and you know they're all very high, highly valued so you make a decision on the fly i'm going to take a guy that he's not ranked as high as the other guys i don't particularly like him you know because of the free throw issues you know in a lot of drafts but here i am i'm taking him and and you just gotta zig when when you need to zig and zag when you need to zag and um I think uh, strategically, just kind of got to be looking at what's the value in each category? What do you have? And it's just shifting all over the place.
1: So that actually takes me to one of the uh, questions that I think probably is useful for both novice and intermediate, maybe even expert players as well, is uh, at what point in a fantasy draft are you now starting to look at more specific team needs versus just strictly higher-ranked player. You said Jakob Pearl, He's going in the 70s in a lot of drafts. Is that the time to start filling in the gaps on your team, or is it earlier on?
0: One of the greatest... I know this is just like a walking ad for the draft tracker, but seriously, its it's been a game-changer for me personally. I answer I, I usually about 10 drafts a year. And, and this year, and I even got medical issues that keep me off a keyboard. I'm in like 30 this year. And, and, I, and I, I took it on because I was like, I can, you know, this thing's allowing me to do that. To answer your question. The thing will, it, it's got a bunch of different settings. One of them is you can have it set to show totals for the entire year. So yeah. Okay. sixth round, seventh round, I've made my plays. They've all kind of been, let's just say they were by the book. And they were all great plays or whatever, you know, I feel great about it. But then you look at your team and you're like, man, I'm going to get a one in rebounds if I don't do something about it. You know, if you're head to head and you intend to punt rebounds, whatever it might be, that's another story. You know, that's a strategy. But a lot of times five or six players come off the board. You did a good thing. You got what would be five or six top 30 players. You know, you're just kicking ass. Great job now what? Are you going to just throw this thing off the rails because you didn't get ahead of the the need for your team when you could make a difference? And and how you know when you're looking at totals, say you're just completely down in rebounds. We'll just keep using that as the example. And, and you're like looking at these totals and you're like, man, there's like three or four guys on the board that get over 300 rebounds in a season. And everybody else is getting less than that. Or, and they're all really bunched up at these super low numbers. And you're like, And there's only like five guys left in the draft that can actually deal with this deficiency I have. Then you go, all right, three of these guys I know I can get round 12, whatever, you know, so they're my safety blanket. These two guys, I got to make a choice. I either got to go on them right now, or I'm looking at the other side of the equation and this tool will, will bring all the players that you should be looking at right up into your line of sight. And, It's like, are those guys worth it to pass up on what might be my only chance to effectively win this league? Because if you're going to go down heavy in a category and get a one in it, you might as well have been punting it from the beginning. And so you do need to um, look at it almost existentially in round six or seven or eight. If you do end up, you did a good thing, you drafted all the right guys, but for whatever reason, the deficiencies are what they are, and you only have two rounds to address them because it's impossible after that point to do so. And a tool like the draft tracker just makes it stupid easy to see where the, where the lines are, where the cut lines are, so to speak, in your decision-making process. So you're just evaluating at that point. Can I sneak in another high value guy or do I got to go for the thing that absolutely matters right now? So it's, um, that's why I love this sport. You let, know, let it's, me, uh, constantly fluctuating based on who people draft.
1: Let me dial you back a little bit earlier in the draft, even um, one of the things that uh, I know comes up in this same discussion is after like two rounds or even after one round, you can have sort of a uh, wonky view of how your team stacks up against others because like whatever you get in the first round and the second round, you're going to be very, very good and in, in however many categories and like, it does feel like the days of traditional big-small pairing in the first and second round are kind of over. Well, maybe I should ask you about that. Is that over now? Because there's like who, who, like Joel Embiid is your traditional no. big in the first, and
0: it still exists. And he's shooting threes, and right, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. No, I, think I get, I get, I, I get, I get questions about it all the time. I get people asking me, should I pair this guy with this guy? I'd say half of the questions I think are are good questions in the sense that they. Are actually the right question to be asking the other half or to me like no I, I just take the best player you know because whatever whatever you're thinking here is not you know the juice isn't worth the squeeze and whatever your idea is um but yeah no it's you you find people are doing that and then you just have to know what is what like sometimes like you get two of the highest assist players in the league yeah, you're probably okay in that category the rest of the way. Um, you get two of the highest block guys early on, you might be good the rest of the way. You need to to really think about, you know, how that all stacks up. Um, and, and it. I don't know if it comes into play with like your third or your fourth selection, but it definitely comes into play soon. And if you don't have some degree of, of knowledge about what you're doing at that point in time, you will end up wasting value. So it's, it's just about not wasting value and, and tracking where you're at between the categories. That's that's the way that you, you keep from doing that. And then you can even find more pockets of value once you get to that spot. Because you might take a guy that's got a pretty high ADP. It's not somebody you would normally take. And then you're going to get the guy that you had highly ranked after that and it's maybe not a move you you would have made if you weren't open to the idea of taking somebody who you had had ranked lower it kind of comes back to that ego thing it's like okay i think this guy's better i think he's got a better value i've I've got him ranked higher in the b150 but man this player right here you know man i gotta take him like 10 slots early over adp that's that's like embarrassing (laughs) you know i'm supposed to do that the other way but that's the key to my team right there so you really got and it's happening so fast you have to be able to um kind of check yourself and be like yeah no i'm gonna take bobby portis no you know bobby why just sitting there (laughs) you know he's got his 138 ep or whatever and i'm like man i got to take this guy at 110.
1: just because that's the one that if it slips through yeah
0: Fair enough. Okay, let me ask you more. Yeah, at that that stage of the draft, you might need his rebounds.
1: So for novices, let me, because I think some of the stuff we're covering right now is is a little more intermediate and expert, understanding like how value works and where you attack certain guys. Let's say we're more of a novice level player, kind of getting in and trying to make sure that they have a good draft. Is it more important for a novice player to win the draft or to not screw it completely up? Because I think the answer might be the latter. (laughs) folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks Boo! say all of your friends you start to sweat Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from you guessed it. Your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Who are
0: they playing against?
1: Let's say it's mostly Is another editing. novice? Yeah, novices, maybe a couple of intermediates floating around in there.
0: Do they have the draft tracker?
1: <laughs> Do they the have nov- the B
0: one hundred and fifty? The novice. It's so th- a serious question because, like,
1: yeah, get some help. That's phase one. Being if you,
0: if you, yeah, you know, if you have a draft list, that's good. You know, if you're if you're a novice walking into like, let's, if you're a novice and you just got a list from a big box site. I don't know. I would I would think you you might be like, okay, so the idea that you can just not screw it up. What does that mean? That means like don't draft injury prone dude pretty much that we know is going to fall apart. You know, don't draft head case guy who's guaranteed to blow it. Gee, I wonder who he could be those two talking things about.
1: Yeah, basically, I think that's. I think that does sort of sum up the question a little bit. Should it? Should someone just learning? I mean, presumably, if they're brand new, they're going to be competing against someone with a little bit more experience than them. But it does feel like they shouldn't dive straight into the deep end.
0: I, I would go off the top of the list, and I mean, if you have a draft tracker, then you can at least just. If I tell you this one thing, watch the steals. <laughs> That's your thing. Watch this field because they they're, they're available. They're everywhere. So are you saying wait not, on them? Then? What,
1: Make sure I'm understanding this right.
0: I'm saying just keep an eye on it. Like if you if you're going to lap the field in that category, it's too much. I think as a novice, if you take one thing from this sort of kind of wonky discussion, take that one thing. Um, if if you're trying to not draft injury-prone players maybe look at our our draft guide and get a sense for who those guys are before you go into the draft and put a little mark on your sheet, you know, before them, if you have a B B150, you know, or some good rank list, I don't, I don't know what, you know, that might be, but like, then I think you can just go from the top of the list and, and risk be damned. Like take an injury prone guy. Because you're going to have other players that back him up. Do you?
1: Good. There's been, um, man, I've been trying to push back on this on, on social a little bit. By the way, talking to Aaron Bruski at Aaron Bruski on social. Um, there's been a push to, I think, look, le- and you and I have talked about this a little bit on a previous show, but I think this is actually relevant for both intermediate or both novice and intermediate maybe not as much for expert level players because they probably already know how they feel about it and i don't know that you and i yelling at them is going to change it either way i think there's been a push lately to not look at totals ranks as much and i i just i feel like folks have tried to oversimplify fantasy in a way that doesn't actually work because anybody that's listened to to my show for the last half decade knows my number one job I'm trying to make fantasy basketball a little bit easier for people listening here is the we I get it we don't all have two three four hundred hours this is what analysts we're spending our time on so hopefully you don't have to basically let me present this to you in a way that is uh, easy for your brain to process we're going to try to go find values in a way that doesn't require you to do nine thousand hours of digging But So I get it on paper, the idea of trying to simplify the way that we look at these things, but I just don't think that's a way that's reasonable to do. I think that totals make a lot of sense in certain areas, and per game makes sense in certain areas as well, where you can kind of look at one or the other or both. What does a novice or intermediate fantasy player need to know when they're looking at totals ranks, per game ranks? Is it as simple as is this guy injury prone or not, or is there more going on than that?
0: Yeah, I think it's, is it, are they injury prone or not? Um, that question is sort of the difference in a nutshell between a per game and a totals rank. And, and it's, I mean, if you're looking at a novice and and trying to help them be better, kind of thinking of a a guy, I can't remember his name. I can, but I can't say it. (laughs) Uh, his uh, philosophy was he just takes freaking good players. Like you know, I, I'm I'm misplacing a word there. What he meant by that is kind of like stats be damned. I just want the best players out there. Um, so that's a that's a piece of advice that it's not optimizing the the assets at all. But it is a pretty good piece of advice in the sense that, you know, if you're if you look at nine categories or eight categories and you're just like, whoa, 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 whoa this is too much. You know, you could come back to that. You know, pick good players. I know breaking news here on the <laughs> show is uh you pick good players and, and, and you win. But um yeah, no, I don't know why there's a pushback against totals, like even in a head-to-head league. This is what we talked about on the other show. It's like, so we're gonna say that this per game rank is is uh, more relevant in week 22 versus week 23 versus week 24 versus week 21 versus week 20. Okay. I mean, we're just guessing right at this point. Oh, Hey, I got a great way to incorporate a guess into some sort of valuation method. How much does the guy play? How much does he stay on the floor? Yeah, it matters. Oh yeah. Totals rank. Do you, that sounds amazing. We'll Brew, do you,
1: bro? do you agree with me that, it's not a a hard line or anything like, but there is some spot along the path between player ranked number one and player ranked number 200 where the pendulum swings more towards the per game side. Like I think I would, for me, I think I would rather have uh, a guy who's a little bit more injury prone, who's like the number 65 ranked player versus a very durable guy putting up 100 range type of production on a game-to-game basis. But as you look more towards the front end of a draft for me, like the guy who's the number four per game guy versus the guy who's like the number 12 per game guy, if your number 12 dude is playing 10, 11, whatever extra games, at the end of the year, that guy ends up being more valuable. So then totals become the more relevant ranking. Do you have any idea of where that that pendulum swing is? I think for me, it's somewhere like between 60 and 100.
0: Yeah, and this is also for leagues. Yeah, league like, size. Uh, too, I know you course. play a lot of games cap leagues. Ga- like So, games cap versus just straight up, you know, let her rip. You're going you to have a higher uh, requirement of value for a guy to be effective in your league. So, you're looking at, hey, 100 is not working for me, 75 is my cut line. And so, when you're talking about ads and drops, that stuff matters. You know, I I think I've been trying to spearhead that movement for years is tell me what you're talking about when we're talking about ads and drops. You know, there's a a lot of different formats and a lot of different um, specifics that matter there. I think the cut line on this discussion is basically kind of backs into that. It's what's going on with the waiver wire. You know, if I can replace you with five other guys, fantasy basketball industry discussion here. If I can replace you with a bazillion players, then, yeah, give me the guy who's got, like, no knees. But if he plays for 15 games, you know, they're going to be spectacular. What if he happens to play 60 or 70? You know, give me that guy. And um, generally in drafts, that's kind of happening after 100, you know, depending on the size.
1: Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Hunting upside, and it's always – it's question of probably the last piece of this is what does it do to your roster decisions to have risky or injury prone or longer developing players on your bench? Yeah. That's actually one of my questions, by the way,
1: you're you're taking the next segment and rolling it right in. Go for it. Have
0: at it. Sweet. It's, it's it's, what is it doing to your, your decision-making to have to, you know, maybe you got a guy that you're playing for three games a week and you don't want that. You know, because you have player X on the bench who's who's got to wait and get better, or whatever the situation may be, and you might find that not this year, but like a Monty Morris of of yesteryear, you know, who's just hanging around 120, 150, but he's he's reliable and he's just going to be there, and you know what he's going to give you, that might actually play better, you know, than the than the the snazzy young player that's just not there yet. What about, think about all that stuff?
1: Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump in on you there. I thought uh, I thought I I thought oh, I bad. caught the end of the sentence, but I think we might have about a one second lag on this one. Um, what about this year specific to the board? I don't want to get into individual players necessarily, but just the way the board is constructed. In, for instance, the um, the industry mock, the fantasy NBA Today industry mock. The um, I think. Uh, One, two, three, four, five. I think there were seven centers that came off the board in the first four rounds combined, which, by the way, that's quite low for a year where everybody's talking about how many centers there are. But then, to no one's surprise, I think there were something like 12 that came off in the next three rounds. So things like that, Brew, now that you've done 30 drafts, what sort of draft arc do you think makes sense this year? Should folks be trying to target guard stats early with the exception of a few, you know, unicorn-esque centers, Jokic, Embiid, guys like that that are obviously going to go at the top of drafts? Is there a right or wrong strategy? Like, if you get your bigs early, now you don't have to be a part of that run in the middle rounds. I know there's so many ways to skin a cap, but what feels like this sort of path of least resistance is the way I'll frame it for this season in terms of how to collect your stats?
0: So I think with like one center versus two center leagues, I almost find the question somewhat irrelevant in the sense that you still need to win those big man stat categories, whether or not you're using them out of a utility slot or maybe they also qualify a power forward so how it's it's basic roster construction you know i've played in a couple of leagues that have zero position requirements and they're just like how about it you just know, 10 starters the way you want 10 utility slots yeah, just 10 starters and wow yeah, exactly and and that's one way to skin a cat but it's like i i like position eligibility because i think that it weeds out people, you know, you can take advantage of it and, you know, sort of, sort of the, who, who works the hardest will win, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. If you don't have position eligibility,
1: um, to, uh, doesn't that really uh, lend itself to hard punting? Cause someone will just take like 14 point guards.
0: If it works. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If it works. I mean, that's the key question is, is what can you actually pull off? you know, with that strategy. Um, but yeah, no, I know, I think with the center question, it's a, it's a fun one because you kind of have to ask that question at every stage minus like first, second, third round. I think you're at that stage, you've taken the player you like kind of, maybe that's a question that's a tie break, t- tiebreaker kind of question. Say you got four guys that are available that would be on your short list of players. You view them all equally, one of them has center eligibility, you're like that's the guy, because I want to get the center thing out of the way. Another thing, there are a lot of guards out there, just flat out. There's just a ton of guard stats. I don't want to say that it's like, you can just sit there and wait on it. I don't think you can do that. Um, I wouldn't say that the problem's that pronounced, but there are a lot of guard stats out there and then necessarily, I think the forwards market is kind of annually a little bit dry and it's the same situation with forwards and centers. It's like, okay, do I want to get really crushed in either of these areas? And if not, okay, I got to take somebody who's lower valued than I would have wanted to take, you know, I'm not winning by three rounds on this guy, but it gets me out of a problem of having to pick from the bottom of the bucket later on, with these guys? And how much do I like the back end players in those buckets? So you're coming across a player that might alleviate the pressure in those areas. Maybe got to take them early. Maybe I've got, you know, like drew holiday, you know, staring me in the face, you know, it's some very advantageous place to selection, you know, selected. I got another guard just sitting there waiting. And it's like, and I don't know if I want to do that because I a, don't want to wait on the players that I consider in the, the bottom, you know, the back end of, of a bucket. And, and you just kind of constantly cross-reference that. Is this player who could solve this need, are they reliable? You know, if I'm gonna take a haircut on this, are they reliable? Are they going to have an upward trajectory? Or is this like very risky? You know, and if it was very risky and I didn't like the player, no, let's take another, you know, give me another guard or forward, you know, or whatever the case may be. That's why this sport is great. I mean, out of 30 drafts, every single one of them has been different.
1: Do you feel... Oh, I'm sorry. I did it again.
0: Yeah, no. While certain things remain the same, every draft's been different.
1: Do you, and and this is going to be a hard one, and I'm trying not to... I'm trying my best to ask this question without... Um putting anything out into the universe first of all people you guys need to go get the b-150 if that wasn't immediately evident it is the list that has dominated the industry for what are we at now like 15 years when did you start the b-150 at uh nbc slash roto world it was just roto world back then
0: it was oh eight no 2009
1: so we're 2009 so we're approaching 15 years
0: 2009 2010
1: there are a lot of other top 150 lists floating around out there. If anybody wants to know where that started, actually, was it Evan on the football side?
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it was Evan. Yeah. Evan was, was the, the inspiration for it. Yeah. And uh, thank you, Evan. Evan's one of the greatest. He's uh, he a, love those guys already TR. He gets they, an applause there on work. the show. Um, yeah. The OG. I just, you know what I love about that crew over there? They're all the old road to world crew. And, and even the ones that moved on in the TV and all that everybody just worked their butts off and they just weren't like in it for the, whatever, you know, three seconds of YouTube fame or. You hey, know, we're on YouTube there. right now. <laughs> oh, this is YouTube. I thought we were just talking to each other. No, that is how um, these usually go. No, I love those guys. And uh, <laughs> yeah, one, one one fifty was an Evan thing. And then I was like, no, I should do one for basketball. Yeah. And the first one I looked at it the other day, it was, so. it was like just the smallest amount of, not work, but, like, you know, it's just, like, this rickety thing. You looked like at your God. first one? Yeah, from way back in the day. Oh, my God. It was, God. like, a list of players. Can we see yeah, it? Yeah, a list of players, and then, like, uh, I wouldn't I Do you
1: have it? Oh, it. my God, this would be the most amazing Easter egg ever. The first V-150. I, Holy. I... I Please dig it up, and I will put it at, like, it. the very end of a future YouTube video, and it'll just be this special prize for anybody who makes it all the way to the end of me yelling into the void for 45 minutes, because that's my existence for the most part. Okay, so wait, the question I was... You don't need to find it right now. The question I was going to ask before hey, I realized... Wait, you,
0: you sent me on a journey, man.
1: I know, but I like this. That I really want to see the first B-150. I think that'd be absolutely freaking amazing. Um, So the reason I prefaced it with all of this was I don't want to try to get you to say, like, who the targets are that you're doing at the end folks need to go get the b-150 if they want those but do you find that there's a particular category or a few that is easier to get in the very late rounds is steals i think you said was one of them are there others that you feel like you can make up easier at the end of a draft meaning things that you would need to be more concerned with earlier and middle Because personally, I'll throw my own... I don't own, think you
0: can make up... Yeah, yeah. go... Yeah, let's yeah I, was hear just yours. Gonna, I
1: was just going to say, personally, I found that after you pass, there are a couple of interesting centers at, like, between 100 and 110 and ADP boards. Once you get past those, you get into some real boring plotter types, which, I mean, sometimes that can handle it, but, like, you don't want to find yourself in a situation where you need to draft Steven Adams in a non-punt free throw team... So I've found centers to be a really weird position this year because there are a ton between, like, 40 and 105, and there's just a few at the beginning and, like, none at the very, very, very end. What's that sort of... How's that... How does that... I want to say arc again, but I already used that expression earlier on. What is it do you find that's kind of hard to, to squeeze out at the very end? Giggity.
0: I think percentages are are, it's so funny because so many people just fade percentages in every respect. They're like, don't care. It's not a thing. Don't need them, whatever. You know, I'm punting this or or a player that's, you know, good in percentages, but kind of bad everywhere else. They're like, nah, that player's not worth anything. Percentages though, um, as you get to the the bottom of your draft and the back ends of your rosters, like, players just simply aren't going to play enough to impact your percentages. So at the end, if you're chasing there, you're chasing, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of screwed there. Um, But I think the traditional ones are, I mean, I think steals are available and that's, that's just a, that's more of a take on the market itself, but you know, a lot of years threes, are available late. I've been noticing that they haven't been as available late this year compared to previous years. So I would, I would, I'm more interested in looking at that deeper, but but it's usually it's the points, it's the assists, and the, and, and typically the blocks. So those three things, um, and, you know, it's been interesting. Conversely, this year I've been able to find those late. Hmm. More so than previous years. They're not there. You know, it's not just like sitting there waiting to be had. I mean, some years it feels like after like round nine or ten, you can't get a point and you can't get an assist.
1: Yeah. Just flat out. There's a couple of them this year. You can't do
0: it. Yeah. you, you got yeah, I don't
1: know. I mean. You got to be comfortable going old as dirt with issue. a few of those things, but nobody nobody wants to walk down that path with me.
0: There, <laughs> You know what, man? There are a lot of values late. I'm drafting into the 220s right now, 230s, 240s with guys that are hitting like a 130, 140, 150 rank.
1: Guess what's coming up, everybody? That you gave me a perfect segue. 30 deep is coming up, bro. 30 deep's coming up. Yes. That's the heavy hitters, man. I know. I'm excited. Can we? uh,
0: Well, you know what I'm not excited about is freaking Mike. Panda door. Oh my God, he says that tongue
1: in cheek though. Panda is our has long been our secret weapon we here Panda. at Sports Ethos. Two time winner in what five years? He's destroying that damn league, and he beat me in the finals. Well, you got to keep reminding does, me of that.
0: He does the best player previews in the industry, and it's so not even close. Yeah, it's not close. Like any player preview written anywhere else is never going to be as good as what Panda does. So he's just five hundred players deep. And that's People why he wins 30
1: deep because the rest of us are dicking around at pick 340. Whoa. He's like, this is my guy. This is my guy. This is my guy.
0: And, and he and I share Intel. So it's like, there's no secrets between the two of us. And, and it's, so it's like, it's really fresh. I'm sure he has the same thoughts. It's like, I just know when Panda's got two picks between me and whoever I go, there's two yeah, you are not, off the board. Yeah. You're not going to get your guy just guaranteed. No, and, and we're talking in the, the context of 30. Deep. You know, there are like 30 picks or 50 picks, even, you know, that are going to happen between the time you go and you get your next pick. And so, I mean, you know that going into it. I'm like thinking, if not for Panda, I'm going to get this player. And every single year, he just snakes me. It's yep. terrible. And then he but, won and again. And then he wins.
1: And then he wins. Yeah. Like, oh. I really thought I had last year. Yeah, I guess we don't to need, to need to go. Need- too far down that rabbit hole. It makes me feel sad again that I got to the finals and (laughs) lost to Panda. (sighs) Panda. Uh, That's coming up. That's going to be fun. You've got your, I know you don't want to talk about it too much, but you've got your big leagues coming up this weekend, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, High stakes leagues. And again, literally the draft tracker has opened it up for me to be able to be in more drafts than I've ever been in. So it's exciting. I love it. I feel like I've, you know, you, you, you prepare for a test and you know, you're ready and you're not even worried about it. You just go in, you're going to take the test, you gonna walk out. You just know you did a good job. So that's a feel right now. Um, Andre Lemos amazing, you know, just asset for this team in general, but working with him on this stuff um, as discussed in, in previous shows, being able to rely on him for the data entry, but also the basketball analysis he and I have been able to bounce all sorts of ideas that we would have just never gotten to, um, if I was doing it on my own and, uh, yeah, no, I feel like every stone's been turned. It's good. We're ready.
1: I love it. Uh, any other thoughts on helping a novice navigate a draft before we, uh, put a little bow on this bad boy.
0: You gotta have a draft tracker. I mean, that's just outside of that. Um, I would say if you've got a good list, see if you can invest in some non-guards early. Because you're going to get good guards no matter what. Hmm. So if you've got a tiebreaker, go with non-guards.
1: Yeah, I'm actually inclined to agree because that does sort of fall into what I was saying after pick whatever. What did I say? 110, 115 the number of centers is a little tougher at that point, but there are, I've found guards in almost, almost all of my uh, late grabs, even ones that people hate, old guys, young guys, the whole thing, they all end up being guards and wings at the end. Um, so yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm very much on board with that as well. Uh, friends, he is the wonderful, the magnificent, the svelte, skinny as all damn hell. Aaron Bruski on the other end of this thing. Do you even recognize yourself when you look at the YouTube videos after we've recorded them? Nope. Nope. I, That's get, crazy, I, I, I get
0: a lot of concerned people, you know, that they think I've lost too much weight. Yeah. I mean, it was do you this, uh, one grandmother do you need I was me, talking with her you earlier today. Me,
1: do you need me to be your Jewish she grandmother?
0: Really? Baby. Such, yeah. I didn't Aaron. know she was Jewish until you just mentioned it. Bruski, yes. Sc- I probably. You're skin and bones, Bubba. Oh, wait. I, I hear her again. Yeah, there she's she back. She?
1: It's fine. She usually ends most of her sentences with, do it for mama. Whenever people are going to get that reference. <laughs> Not as many as I wished. Oh, well. You look good, big guy. You look, you look clean. You look ready to rumble. Ah, thank you. Yeah. He is the svelte Aaron Bruski. At Aaron Bruski, B-R-U-S-K-I. I know people butcher that plenty. I am at Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today and... The Sports Ethos YouTube page. Please take a moment to like, rate, subscribe. You guys know the drill at this point. Uh, Brew, are you and I doing this one more time before the season starts, or are we hopping on after we see the first crazy you-know-what action?
0: we, we got to get that figured out, and we got to get the um, the secret show.
1: Secret Nailed show. Room this is real he's not joking about that we do need to figure that damn thing out
0: i can't wait for this this is this is why you had a fantasy pass
1: the same fantasy pass secret show email list secret show i have a great wednesday question mark i'm ron burgundy it's wednesday i got it it's all figured out basketball in six days later everybody